Welcome to Busy House Happy Home, where you can ask Charlie your home dilemmas and I will help you along with my expert friends so your busy house becomes a happy home. I would like to introduce Verena to the podcast. Now, Verena is also known to me as Girl About the Yard because that's her Instagram handle. And I have been following Verena for quite a few years. And actually, she's been to stay. So she's a friend as well as an Instagram friend. And Verena is expecting her first baby. So I thought today we could chat through all about, you know, first, first time mummies having your first baby, what to expect and that sort of thing. I'm obviously not an expert, but I've had three of my own and been a nanny. So I've got quite a bit of knowledge um, over the years. So Verena, welcome to the podcast. Hello, it's so fun to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you and really exciting that you are expecting your first baby. It's very kind of you. It's very exciting. Yeah. So how many weeks are you at the moment? So at the moment, at the time of recording, 32 weeks. Uh, okay, so you in May. In May, exactly. So I, yeah. I can still remember being nine, ten weeks. So to think that 20 weeks has gone so quickly is unreal. Yeah, it, it is quite scary how quickly it goes. And I think, I know you didn't feel great for the first trimester, which which is quite normal. And then you have this this sort of, lull lull of feeling okay I mean I say lull but it's sort of a period of time where you're not feeling quite so sick well for me anyway and and that's that's when you need to get as prepared as possible because the last bit you're just exhausted I just had to catnap everywhere well that is what I'm now discovering so the first Google, the expert Google says that the first 12 weeks are the worst. Okay, fine, great. Riding through the first 12 weeks thinking it's going to end, it's going to end, it'll be fine. Then weeks 14 to 18 for me were actually the worst, kind of everyday sickness, couldn't do anything, couldn't eat anything. For the first uh, 14 to 18, those four weeks, I ate Cocoa Pops only, had to eat incredibly cold milk. And that was really it. I tried to eat all my favorite things. Absolutely everything came back up again. Incredible, like just kind of debilitating really. And Mm. then it came to 20 weeks, which was Christmas, which I really wanted to be able to eat a full Christmas meal because it's my favorite time of year. And all of a sudden I could eat everything. And it was this bizarre thing where you go from not being able to eat anything to being able to eat everything. And it was incredibly, and then your brain, which no one ever talks about, just cancels out the first 12 weeks or the first, you know, the yeah. traumatic time. And it's like, yeah, cool, next stage. This. And I was kind of worrying that I would always worry, you know, wake up in the morning and think, oh, I'm going to feel sick today or whatever. But it just evaporated as if it never happened. And I, I like, you know, I'm already, I haven't had a child yet, so I don't know, but I'm already thinking about like, oh yeah, I could be pregnant again. Like, you know, this is fine. It's amazing how the brain does that. Because I think if we remembered it all vividly, we wouldn't have many children (laughs) well exactly um yeah yeah and it's extraordinary how the body changes and can change so rapidly and the cravings can change and you your needs change it is um yeah extraordinary it is absolutely mad I was absolutely like dreaming of well just eating more tamfastics than I think I've ever eaten in my entire life bought a stack to last a week and two days later, just couldn't eat them. I was just like, I just, I don't like them anymore. It's so bizarre. It's absolutely incredible. And, and I had, thing, sorry, carry on. I had different cravings with, with the different pregnancies, which is extraordinary. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, the same at all. Did you have any fun cravings? Um, like cereal? Fab ice lollies. Nice. Um, I did consume probably two a day for a few weeks, which was, (laughs) and I just had to have them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And actually when I gave birth with that pregnancy, I, all I wanted to do was have ice in my mouth while I was in labor, Mm. which is extraordinary. I literally munched on ice cubes and um, kept me sane. I kept sending Simon out to a restaurant around the corner to get more ice, came back with a bucket. It was, it was extraordinary bizarre yeah. yeah 
No, the whole thing. I'm finding the whole thing absolutely fascinating. I am learning a lot about patience. And I'm the kind of person who wakes up in the morning, writes a list, wants to get the entire list done by lunchtime, then writes another list to get that list done in the afternoon. Constantly thinking about five years down the line, like excruciatingly busy. You know, anything, anybody pops up saying, can you walk my dog? Oh yeah, absolutely. Where do you want me to walk? I've got five hours when in reality I've got five minutes. It's ridiculous kind of busy mentality. And all of a sudden I can't do that. And it's, and what I found fascinating about the first trimester was uh, for the first three weeks, you live in kind of, you, you live in this kind of amazing experience where you're like, oh my word, I'm pregnant. This is so exciting. Nobody knows what a fun secret to have. And then you get wiped out and all of a sudden you can't see anyone. You're constantly feeling grim all the time and you can't control when it is. It's not like you can, you know, when you've got your period, for example, you know, when your period's coming and you're like, okay, Tuesday's going to be a write off. Maybe let's take Thursday slow. This yeah. was like knock you sideways yeah. and you can't do anything about it, loser. And it was just this horrible thing. But again, of like, it's preparing you for when the baby's arrived. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you have to be adaptable. You can't just do the things that you want to do. You've got to, you've got to go with baby. Yeah. And it's extraordinary. And also the exhaustion is preparing you for those kind of, you know, up in the night and, and all of that. And it's it's amazing how the body adjusts. Yeah. Um, and sort of teaches you before you have the baby um, how things are going to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's ama- absolutely amazing. Now, I am very, very excited about this. We have a sponsor for our podcast from the beginning. It is Pop and Flow. Popandflow.com is just a website that makes me feel happy. Hannah's Instagram just brings me joy. And so I am thrilled that Hannah is sponsoring the podcast and I've got an exclusive discount code for you of Charlie10 at checkout. I will leave all the details linked down below, but a big, big thank you to Hannah at Pop and Flow. She makes me happy and this podcast is Busy House, Happy Home, and I hope that it brings a little bit of joy to you as well. Um, I have a few questions for you as the resident expert. Um, how... I have my kind of list of ideas of what I would like to happen, but how controllable in inverted commas is it actually in labor to decide that I want to want to have a water birth or I want to have a C-section or whatever. How is it? Is it possible to, to actually run with this birth plan that everybody kind of roots about having? Um, No, I don't. I don't think birth plans are a great, idea because you then if it doesn't go to plan you have this huge sense of failure and that I think is a really negative way to start motherhood when you've got your new baby in the in your arms but it hasn't gone to plan you're disappointed so I personally believe that having a loose idea of how you would like things to to go but very much having in your mind and being prepared with going with the flow you know because you might say I'm never having an epidural I don't want it I want it to be as natural as possible I want it to be drug free and then you might not have a choice and then you're going to really kind of beat yourself up that that it hasn't gone to plan so I think yes have a vague idea but also be really prepared to go with the flow and if you're having a hospital birth, then the experts are there on hand and, and you can ask them and you, you know, and be adaptable. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite interesting how heavy the marketing is on having a birth plan. Yeah. And I think it's a really, really bad thing. I remember going to the NCT classes and, um, you know, uh, the, the prenatal classes, um, that our local health center offered and they were always banging on about a birth plan and I spoke to to numerous friends and they said Charlie you've got to go with the flow because you'll be disappointed and I think you are like me you're a planner and so when things don't go to plan there's that disappointment and 
and then it's a negative experience, you know, negative because it hasn't gone to plan. And so I think very much when you are in labor and when you first got your new baby as well, you've got to go with the flow. You know, you might be, I'm definitely breastfeeding or I'm definitely bottle feeding and, and you might not have a choice, you know, the, and it's hard. I mean, I was absolutely adamant with the first that I was going to breastfeed and he was tongue tied. And I was so stubborn, Verena, that I was going to do it, that part of my nipple fell off. Wow. And I did manage to breastfeed and he had his tongue tied done and uh, snipped and then it was much better. But the damage that he did to my nipple, I can still, I couldn't stand up straight for about six weeks. It was awful. And I persevered. And actually, I wish I hadn't been so harsh on myself. I wish I'd, you know breast and bottle fed and let my nipple recover <laughs> yeah yeah so I think what I'm finding fascinating is about about so uh, or for context behind me I own horses and I'm very much about the relaxed approach to owning horses um so the least amount of kind of add-ons you can possibly do and I think one thing I'm really fascinated by is whether or not I'm aware that one is obviously a human that requires quite a lot more of my time. And one of them is a horse that can survive on its own. But I am quite interested as to whether I can use the same approach. So actually just go whatever they need is what I need to do rather than what I think I need to do. As yeah. in whatever the marketing is telling me, I need to buy X, Y, and Z because this will help with X, Y, and Z. I actually think actually if I sit there and I'm like okay obviously no sleep which is dreadful for me because I need all the sleep I can possibly get and taking the pressure off myself to be excellent all the time oh by excellent I mean go 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 you know busy productive if I can remove all of that and then pragmatically look at the, the situation and be like yeah okay perfect world I breastfeed but ultimately the baby needs to be fed and if it's not getting it from my breast how are we going to do this like yeah ultimately that's a really really sensible mindset and I think I think if you've got that attitude it it will be so much easier Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and just you know just go with the flow and I think um I often look back to the old days and how they did things did they need all this stuff did they need all this clobber did they have all of this pressure on themselves actually no it's all the kind of media hype isn't it that you've got to do this and you've got to do that and and that's when you then start feeling guilty and like you've let yourself down and you failed because of all this external pressure yeah actually just having a really kind of sensible relaxed approach to things is so much better yeah it's quite interesting what I've also noticed um on the journey, I hate the term journey, but it is a journey um, to motherhood, is how many opinions other people have to give you and they will not hear that you can't take on their opinion. Exactly. And so my advice, (laughs) (laughs) my going going to the horsey world is put your blinkers on. Yeah. Just put your blinkers on and try and just, you know, yeah, of course, you can listen to people's opinions, but everybody has an opinion. Everybody has got something to say about it. And particularly when the baby's arrived, oh gosh, <laughs> you'll hear it. And just put your blinkers on and just do what feels right to you and follow your gut instinct and your maternal instinct because it's actually really strong. Um, because Simon's obviously a lot older than me, his friends were the worst they were awful because they'd had their babies I was pretty much the first of my friends there were a couple but not many um that had that had had children before me but these older older ladies with their sort of teenage children were coming over with all these opinions and I remember sitting on the sofa sobbing one day because I was having the problems breastfeeding Archie and the tongue tie and stuff and and then he was crying because he was hungry and you know it was just it was a it wasn't a textbook kind of perfect uh early days with him um and the opinions were just awful and so put your blinkers on and and follow your gut instinct yeah and go to somebody that you know has got really sensible advice 
you know, whether you turn to your mom or or midwife or, or whoever it is, but the, the midwives are very opinionated too, um, on the whole. <laughs> Simon calls them mad wives. <laughs> so brilliant. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, what I, on, on the advice front, what I have found fascinating is different people telling me different births being correct or incorrect. Whereas I'm, I am of the opinion that the baby earthside and healthy and happy is the ultimate goal. I am like, give me all the drugs I need. Like, you know, put me wherever I need to be to get that situation complete, that goal complete. The goal, the goal effectively is to have the baby alive and on this side of the world. Exactly. Yeah. But if, but if, and if that requires whatever it requires, it requires whatever. And what I'm finding so interesting, although of course I do have an absolute fear of trying to push a live live baby out of my vagina I mean what on earth you know not enough to go to therapy about it but it is like what is this thing yeah um and very amusingly actually I did see um on Halloween last year with uh there was a row of pumpkins and they were all a certain dilation and then it showed you like 10 centimeters dilated it was quite a visual I was like that is grim but again Uh, body is so clever by the time you are ready to have your baby you will be so keen to get it out because it's pretty you know it's pretty uncomfy when you're that big and it's kicking and moving around that actually you then want it out yeah and so your brain allows you to think okay this, this can happen we can do this and they've been doing it for millions of years and, exactly. and quite a few people, you know, we've all watched Call the Midwife, quite a few people with no medication whatsoever. So it's totally possible. It's, it's just, you kind of think, how? I know, don't overthink it. So I cool. think I am going to give you some advice. Here we go. Here's the opinion. <laughs> Here is the opinion. Again, going with the flow, but don't, don't, you know, fight having the drugs or the epidural or those things if you need them because you don't want to be so exhausted when your baby has arrived that actually you are so exhausted you're too exhausted I think you know some people just you know resist all of those things and you know and if actually things aren't progressing then get the advice of the doctor and you know whether it's you know need some help to actually arrive but just try not for the birth, not to be, don't kill yourself giving birth and avoid having the drugs. If you need to have the epidural, have the epidural and then you won't be quite so exhausted when yeah. the baby arrives, you know, if, if, if you need it. Yeah. But that's sort of my advice is you just don't want to kill yourself, not kill yourself in labor. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, I feel like it. I mean. <laughs> really bad term. You just don't want to really exhaust yourself if you can have some help yeah yeah and and people saying um yeah it, it's more more kind of uh, ridiculous opinions you're not ready to have a child if you're happy to take the drugs for it and all these kind of things and it's just it's fascinating what you know you kind of think well when you were giving birth would that have been encouraging or is that kind of condescending and slightly patronizing you know where, where are we where are we batting from yeah exactly exactly I had to have my waters broken and I I was I was quite adamant that I wasn't going to have an epidural I wanted to do things as naturally as possible and my waters weren't breaking by themselves and um the dog it had been quite a long time and the doctor said um we're going to break your waters and we do advise that you have an epidural before we do it because then it will the labor is going to come on really quickly it's going to be intense and I was like, no, 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 I'm fine. And then after he broke my waters and it was really intense, I put my hands up. I was like, yes, please, I need that epidural. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 It's yeah. amazing. It's fascinating. But I think my next question would probably be, it's quite a sensitive one, but I think you'll probably, you, you probably know what to do. Um, how do you approach it if you know that you're, so the pregnancy the information is out, you're pregnant. Mm. And then, but you know that a few of your friends have been suffering with not being able to conceive. Yeah. How do you, or, or they've conceived and they've had miscarriages, whatever the situation, how does one just continue 
being one's natural self, you know, you don't have to shout it from the rooftops, look, I'm pregnant. Oh, I'm so tired, look, I'm pregnant. But how do you navigate it in such a way that's encouraging, but also not patronizing? Because I have a couple of friends who've come to me and been like, how did you do it? And ultimately, we, I mean, there's no real concoction about how we did it. We just had sex and a baby arrived and it was conveniently at the right time. And I, I'm not going to go down the line of saying, you know, I wasn't on the pill. I'm not even going to pass any judgments on anything. Yeah. We just, we were very fortunate and then we got pregnant incredibly quickly. We, I never know if it's we or I got pregnant. I never I know. know. It's a bit of a funny thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think it always used to be I, but actually it's now become more common to say we got pregnant. And what happens with the whole feminist thing? Because it's like, I definitely need you. But anyway, that's a completely different topic. Um, how do we- That is a completely different topic. Um, how do we navigate, navigate the yeah. sensitivity along with being, without trying to mute yourself and not, not be excited? Okay, so I think, and I have had quite a bit of experience with this, and it's really hard. It's really hard because the person that is going through struggling to conceive, it is all consuming for them. It's all they think about. It is such a stressful time. And everywhere they look, they see bumps, they see prams, and it's really hard. But if it's a good friend, then I think you just, yeah, don't shout about it from the rooftops, but talk about it because they'll probably be excited for you. I think if you back off, that makes it more awkward. It makes it more uncomfortable for them. And it's, you know, it's their journey, they're going through it, but they probably will, there will be a little bit of, oh, it's not fair, it's happened so easily for her, but actually it, it's their journey and it's, it's their thing and it's wrong for you to kind of back off from the friendship because you're, you're expecting, but then I think you've just got to be really sensitive and thoughtful and not scream about it in a really excited manner in front of them do you know what I mean yeah yeah but I think yeah. backing off is backing off is wrong because then actually that friendship will drift yeah which which is a shame but I think just being kind and being supportive and and, and you know sensitive to what they're going through yeah okay so yeah just common sense I guess and yeah. just don't right. be don't be a bell end about it, I guess. Yeah. Just be nice. Just be kind. <laughs> Just yeah, be thoughtful. Yeah. And and yeah. I certainly know that when I was so I've always, always wanted to be a mother, um, from probably about 10. And then I had this big dream that I would be married and with at least two children by 22. I got married at 24. And I know for a fact that during it's not the same in that I wasn't in a position where I could even, you know, there was no man in order to be able to produce the child, but I was very much gunning to be a mum. Uh, yeah, and, and in my dream that was happening, like that was gonna, that's how it was gonna work. And I used to walk around, I remember walking around just before I went to uni thinking, I don't know, I don't know what happens next because it's supposed to be that I'm supposed to be married and then, you know, have a child or already have children. And I haven't, does that make me less of a human? Does that, you know, all these questions that fly through your head because you have this big, massive goal and you have yeah. this big, massive stage. But I know now for a fact that I would not have been ready to do any of that kind of thing. Like I might, I could have easily had a child that would have been, you know, that's fine. Yeah. But I would not have emotionally and kind of uh, mentally been ready to be able to sacrifice that I was still very very selfish in my own way not to say that the only reason why you can't have a baby is because you haven't you're not ready for it but yeah. I personally was very sad to see loads of people pregnant you know people who were like 10 years older than me it wasn't like it was all my friends having babies and then but I was feeling like I was being left behind because that was my big goal and my big dream but then I'm you know what now about to be 30 now and I really would not have been ready to have a baby at 22 I mean I was so selfish I mean I had the best time of my life that's, but in terms of again going back to the birth plan okay so lots of us when we're younger have this kind of life plan of this is going to happen I mean mine I'm going to share this with you was to marry an Italian 
tall, dark, handsome, with a small nose, with a small Ooh. nose because mine is slightly big. And so I thought the children would then, you know, the jeans. I wanted, wanted somebody at least six foot two, my age, and I wanted to have lots of children. And I've ended up marrying somebody a lot older. He pretends he's six foot, but actually it's a lie. And he's really <laughs> fat. And do you know what, Verena? I am blissfully happy. But if somebody had told that girl, aged 19, 20, that that's what they were going to marry, I would have been horrified. Horrified. But do you know what? We've been married for nearly 15 years this year in May. And he's wonderful. And he's just brilliant. And so, again, you've got to go with the flow. Having these kind of life plans when you're younger. Yes, you can kind of have dreams and aspirations. But if you get too hung up on it, again, you're disappointed when it hasn't happened. Yeah. And I'm certainly not disappointed that I didn't marry my tall, dark, handsome Italian. <laughs> I was have, you been, have you been banned from Italy in case you were to, uh, you were to hunt down your small-nosed Italian? <laughs> I haven't told Simon too much about it. We keep it quiet. <laughs> just a small nose. Just a small just nose. A small nose. And actually, his is quite big. <laughs> um, yeah. Gold. Yeah. So these firm plans that we we have in our head, we shouldn't have. We should just have dreams and aspirations. Otherwise, we're disappointed. Um, but that then, I mean, again, another side topic, but that then takes you to school because your last five years of school are what, what exams are you going to do? do? What are you going to do? What's your life goal? What's the dream? Where are you going to work? Blah, 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 blah. And then you're expected to leave school and then make your decision about how you're going to make your cup of tea in the morning. And you're yeah. thinking, well, hang on, this is, this is far too mediocre for what I've just been told to do at 20, you know, whatever, 18. How am I yeah. supposed to survive? But anyway, that's another topic. We don't need to that is another topic. <laughs> We're 18 <laughs> years ahead. Another time. <laughs> another episode. So I guess next, my next question would be yeah. the baby kit lists online yeah. are extensive. I know I've actually dug out my baby list. So I got all of our baby gear from Anita's house. She's on Instagram, she's online she's incredible and she has a showroom in London and I just went with Simon and chose all the things I knew that he wouldn't want to traipse around a whole load of places actually one place and he wanted to be involved which was lovely and then he left and we did the girly bits but do you know what you you don't need half of what they tell you you need good um have you thought about it? Have you started getting anything? Where where are you? Yeah, so I haven't got big things like the pram and the seat. I've got things that I want to get. I just haven't done the admin of actually getting them. I know yep. what's on my list. So we've got nipple covers. Yep. We've got um, breast milk pouches put in the freezer. Yep. Um, I've got a baby bath. I then spent a really fun time trolling through Facebook Marketplace and I got a couple of bags, full bag, you know, kind of Sainsbury's bag for life's bags of baby grows and stuff like that. Um, Excellent. Some, and then I've got some muslins and then I've got, I am thinking potentially dangerously, but this, my, I'm one of four, my mum did this with all four of us to do reusable nappies. So spend yeah. my entire time washing um and I, I quite bon is brilliant did you use them um I did a mixture I did a mixture so when we were kind of out for long periods of time when I when mine were tiny we were between London and here quite a lot so days when I was in London I would use disposable um but days when we were at home I used um reusable and I loved the laundry. I loved have, having them hanging on the line. So yeah, yeah great idea. Um, so mainly for the price, if I'm honest, the price <laughs> of nappies. So expensive. And season. all that landfill is just pretty horrific. Yeah, the list goes on. Um, what else have I got? <laughs> A friend, hilariously, although apparently now I've been doing some research, not so hilarious, it's quite crucial. So it's called Spritz for Bits. And apparently you just spray it everywhere uh, on arrival of the child. And um, yeah. Really yeah, I used um, 
Savlon spray. Oh, okay, yeah. Which, which, yeah. Which is probably exactly the same thing, just without a massive price tag because it's yeah, probably, probably, but that is pretty crucial, actually. Yeah, I found uh, quite essential. And again, something that people don't talk about so much. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. And then um, I've got a Moses basket. I have got, um, I'm trying to locate the cot from when I was younger to then find it. It's in circulation somewhere. Cousins have had children and all that kind of thing. So it's somewhere. Um, and I'm trying to think what else. I've gone incredibly basic, mainly because um, I didn't have the brain space. Like, my, for example, my horses, again, going back to horses, have one rug, a bridle and a saddle and some grooming kit. That's it. I don't do any of the extra things. Yeah. I mean, I like to think that I'm like that. I'm not. I've got like 15 pairs of jeans and I wear two of them regularly. Like, you know, it's absolutely ridiculous and I should really deal with that. But that's a later, another you know conversation. If you time. need stuff, people can buy it for you which they love buying things when you've had a new baby and you can just send Rob out and say can you go and get whatever <laughs> yeah yeah so, now. yes exactly you don't you don't need all the stuff yeah, from, yeah. are you going to use a baby monitor have you thought about that so I yes I need to get a baby monitor um I would like one that goes through my phone yes for, for ease and then yeah. also, um, well, I guess if it goes through my phone, I don't necessarily need it to be battery. But yeah, um, yeah. What, what do you recommend monitor-wise? Well, I mean, I had a pretty old school one because we were going back 10 years. Um, but there is, I think it's called Amy. There's an app on the phone, which actually yeah. I used when Penny had her puppies. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and that worked really well. That was really good. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Okay. So Amy. Okay. And then, um, is it worth getting, I mean, I'm not one of these people who's like, I'm never going to get the plastic trash into my house. Like it's all got to be wooden. I really do not mind, you know, keep the baby entertained. Exactly. Um, that, that makes it sound like it'll get everything straight away. It won't, it'll just, you know, keep it entertained. Um, the, do you give the baby something to entertain it or uh, for the first six months? Are they so kind of zoned in growing that they don't need anything mine had a little mobile that was attached you know that could go either above their moses basket or their cot and they had something to look at um and i also had which is really lovely and i got into the routine of using it every time i put the baby down for a nap um it's from a company a really expensive shop on walton street in london called nursery window which for me was just my favorite place but they had these beautiful little cushions and I was given one as a present actually when Arch was born it wasn't something that I had planned to do in advance and you pull um a chord down and it sings it, not sings but it plays a little tune I think um Claire is it Claire de la Lune yeah 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 and it plays that and so every time I put the baby down for a nap I would pull the chord and this little pillow would would play its tune and so that I think you know babies are really clever and they learn from from the start so that they would then associate with going down for a sleep and so I that's really all I all I used at the beginning one other bit of advice I'll give you it's something for you to think about um I put my babies in nighties at night and baby grows during the day Two reasons. Um, a nighty is so much easier because it's got a drawstring at the bottom and you can just pull it up to change the nappy. So you're not having to worry about poppers. But also if you think of a baby when it's in your womb, its skin is touching itself. When it's in a baby grow, its legs are apart and it doesn't have its own skin to skin contact. So I got mine in a habit of they would have their bath in the evening and then they put a nighty on and that was sort of breaking up day and night for them so they could associate the difference from a young age and so that I found worked really well and it also meant that Simon could do nappy changes in the night if needs be he didn't often but it was much easier for him so that that was useful interesting okay. 90s okay yeah. yeah yeah and did you ever wear the baby in a wrap 
Yeah, I did. So mine all had severe silent reflux, which really wasn't silent. They screamed a lot. And so I had a baby Bjorn carrier rather than a rat. I just found that easier for me. And yeah, I did wear them quite a lot because um, it meant I could do stuff. You know, I could walk the dogs. And actually, I loved having them on my chest. I could walk the dogs. I could do the, we didn't have ponies then, but, you know, I could have done the ponies. I could cook. I could do all sorts of things. So I found the, that baby carrier really useful. And actually, Sai used it a lot as well. He enjoyed carrying the babies um, when they were tiny. Oh, yeah. That's quite sweet. And then we had a backpack one as well, because we did lots of, lots of walks. So I found that, you know, great. Yeah. So you'd recommend? I would recommend. I mean, the great thing about the baby Bjorn carrier is you can unclip it and lay the baby down in its Moses basket without disturbing it. So that was a big plus. I did quite a lot of that. I'd get them to sleep on my chest and then I'd lie them down because they were pretty unsettled babies. Um, for me, that worked quite well when they were tiny for their naps during the day. I didn't use it at night. Um, to get them all to sleep but but during the day if they nodded off then I could just yeah. transfer them and how did you do it um with like dinner parties did you just for the first year say no to all dinner parties or did you put them in the Moses basket keep it like keep them to their own routine that they knew like how did you work it having dinner parties at your house or going to people's houses both with I guess okay both Okay, so some people are probably going to be horrified by this, but I had a pretty strict routine with them. When Archie's tongue tie was diagnosed and snipped, they also diagnosed a reflux and we were referred to a paediatrician. And he said, because of his reflux, you need to get him into a, a, a pretty rigid routine. So you know the difference between the cries. Is he crying because he's hungry? Is he crying because he's tired? Is he crying because he's, you know, overtired and got himself into a state? And because he cried quite a lot of the time, it was difficult to differentiate the cries. And so you'd think that he was hungry and feed, but actually that would make the reflux worse. So I started um, using Gina Ford on his advice. A lot of people will be like, ah. But do you know what to it was? That, to those that don't know, what is Gina Ford? Okay, so Gina Ford is a contented, contented little baby, but she hasn't had her own children. She is uh, a maternity nurse, I think, is her background, and, and had years and years of experience. And she has got this routine, but it is to the minute. Wow. You know, it's, you, will, you will express between... 7:20 a.m. and 7:30 a.m. on the left breast and then the right breast. You know, it's really regimented. I didn't do it that regimented, but I stuck to the feed times and the sleep times. And that meant that they got into a really good routine. I knew when they were hungry, I knew when they were tired. I tried to avoid them getting overtired because then they'd get their knickers in such twist that the next 3 hours were going to be pretty chaotic. And so the baby had a bath, was, was fed at, I can't remember exactly the times now, but say fed at five, um, had a bath, another little feed into bed and, you know, bed by sort of 6.30, 6.45. And then you'd have the next feed at 10.30 at night. And then the baby would go through until it woke up at maybe, I don't know, four or five in the morning quick feed and then settle it back down until seven and so I knew because I had the routine what we could do so I knew that the baby would be going down by seven o'clock so if we invited people over for 7 30 I'd have time to kind of get ready and then I would you know just slip away to do that feed at 10 30 um, and either come back down or the get or friends had already left I do remember we had one disaster. We had some friends for dinner. It was just another couple. They bought their baby too. I did that 10.30 feed and Archie vomited the entire lot over me. Now I made the error of 
not feeding him in his room or my room. I was actually in this room. And the only way to go was past them. And I literally was covered in, in breast milk and Archer screaming. And they didn't get the hint to leave. Simon had to sort of usher them out to say, I'm really sorry. But I couldn't come back. I needed a shower. Archie needed yeah. something out. And that was the one time it, it didn't quite go to plan. But, you know. So if you've got a routine, you know when the baby's going to be fed. It makes it easier to kind of go out and see people and, and, and do things. And you can take the baby with you and it's Moses' basket and it, and it sleep. And then, yeah. I found sticking to those times worked well because I knew particularly by the time I'd had um, number two and three. And for those of you that don't know, I had three children in two and a half years. So by the third one, things had to be quite military. Otherwise it would have been complete chaos. And I knew that I could have a shower before I got the baby up or I could, you know, feed and then just, you know, sit, sit them in there. I I've had a bouncy chair, wasn't particularly bouncy, but they could be propped up and I could just put them, you know, between the bathroom and our bedroom and have a shower, keep an eye and then, and then get dressed. And so it worked really well for me. The best thing about it is that there's a good long lunchtime sleep that she insists on from about um, one, I, uh, 12.30 till 2.30, I think. So I used to have an hour sleep with the baby and then an hour of jobs. And it was brilliant. So I needed an hour of rest time. And we, I was religious to that lunchtime nap. I love, I, it. I love the productivity alongside it. You get the nap and you get the job to stay. I know. I know. Yeah. I mean, I, I love a routine. I'm, I'm the kind of person who's like, oh, it's four o'clock. The dogs must be fed. Whereas my husband is kind of like, oh, we'll just feed them as and when. I'm like, this is going to change. You're going to really want a routine soon. My mum really rebelled against my routine and she'd do everything she possibly could to sabotage it. And then she realised that actually it was a good thing because the baby would scream for hours if it wasn't fed when it was supposed to be fed or whatever. So we'd go out for lunch or something and she'd insist on going for a country drive so we I couldn't feed. She was quite tricky like that sometimes. I love how the baby is also on your side. Like, well, this is what you wanted. Exactly. <laughs> Gold. Um, oh, yeah, the other question I had, another area of your expertise. Yeah. Is having given birth. Yeah right food to eat in order to kind of get get me as the as the bre breastfeeding or whatever whatever way I'm feeding the baby um the best food for my nutrition to also be good because I'm sure it'll go back to just wanting tea and toast and that you know what and that's okay that's okay things to avoid if you're breastfeeding are citrus garlic onions and spicy food um, because they can really unsettle the baby but I think to begin with just go with the flow you need to eat quite a lot if you're breastfeeding you need to keep those calories up so don't feel that you have to immediately go back to eating you know super super healthy and super clean food and and lose weight just be kind to yourself and you still have cravings I mean I remember in the middle of the night sitting there breastfeeding eating digestive biscuits because I needed to um, and because your sleep pattern changes you've just you've just got to kind of go with the flow but be conscious of 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 having good nutritious food you know meat and vegetables and pasta and salads and you know good healthy food because you need to keep your energy up and actually if you're just eating junk then then you're not going to have the energy but you do you do need the extra calories in those early days so don't try and be kind of super super healthy and oh I mustn't have that you need it because otherwise and again if you don't rest enough your milk supply won't be great so really you know in the old days a mother would spend the first couple of weeks in bed and I so don't try and go you know running around doing the horses and doing this and doing that. I remember um, 
so when we had Gus, we had Simon was actually in America a lot with work. And I had a night nanny that came in um, twice a week just so I could get a, a bit more sleep. And because I've I've got this funny muscle condition, if I get overtired, I get ill. So I I have to like I need my sleep. So she came in twice a week, I think for the first month. And one day I'd been in London and I'd expressed for her. And she held it up and she was like, Charlie, this look at it. It's basically water. There's no there's no nutrition here. And she was like, I'm really sorry, I'm gonna give him a bottle of formula formula tonight. I was devastated. But then when I thought about it, I was like, you know, yeah, I didn't eat really well. I was rushing around like a lunatic. And then your quality of milk isn't great. So you do need to be mindful of that. Don't try and, you know, do a billion things just after you've had the baby. Rest and enjoy resting. And then you'll have a much better quality of milk and milk supply. I think... I've timed it right. I haven't timed it right for much this pregnancy in terms of the due date, but I think I've timed it that I will be breastfeeding during Wimbledon, which That's will perfect. be a big deal. I was the same with Gus. Gus was a May birthday. And um, I remember watching um, Kate and Will's wedding. Oh my gosh. Um, I remember Wimbledon. I Yes. And it was lovely because I would sit and outside and breastfeed him. I remember going to the beach with the other two so they could run around sitting on the beach feeding him. It was, yeah, a really great time for you to have a baby. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, ho I'm hoping, I've also been advised to save some TV shows that you want to watch yes. for when you're in that early stage yeah, where rest definitely. is crucial, but you mentally can't do it or whatever. Yeah. Um, so no. Um, Obviously, my our husbands are not here, but what um, do you have any tips for a husband supporting or partner, life partner, whatever, um, the support to somebody who's just had a baby? Like, what would you say were your key things that you thought were vital? Food. Fair. So the freezer was really well stocked. Um, and you've, you've still got to make a little bit of time for each other. But get him involved in helping with the baby. So Simon had never held a baby before we had um, Archie. And he was terrified. But I got him involved and he got more confident and he was helping. So it wasn't like it was me and the baby and he was, you know, not involved. He very much was from the start. You know, get, get him involved with bath time. Put him in the bath with the baby. I mean, that's a really lovely way for them to bond we did a lot of that and it's really fun. And, you know, if, if you're using a baby carrier, then Rob can take the baby, just make him feel involved and part of it. I think is, is really important. And, you know, he hopefully will know that, you know, you need, you need some time and some love and support and kindness. Um, so, you know, have that conversation of, of, you know, I want you to be involved and I want you to help and, and, do try and make a bit of time, you know, even if it's just a half an hour, just to chat to him while the baby's asleep. And so he, so you don't lose your relationship. I think it's really, really crucial. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause I don't, yeah, I'm not underestimating the massive change that it is in, in one's life. And I guess there's the kind of weird, it's almost quite sad, but it's the weird stage where, I feel like, okay, I'm ready now. I'm ready for like Earthside um, for, this, for this this child. Whereas, and, and I've kind of, and everything, whereas he's just kind of watched his wife go from like incredibly busy to rather ill to now tired a lot of the time and kind of slow and steady. And then all of a sudden it's going to continue for a little bit longer. But mm. um, yeah, so I guess, well, as with everything, communication is key. Just, you know. It is. It's it. really key. And, you know, you, I had weepy days on day three after giving birth. <laughs> so, you know, be aware and maybe pre-warn that, yeah. that it, it can, it can be quite emotional after you've had a baby and, and just to be kind and supportive. And Sai was so kind. And that's why, 
you know, we ended up booking the night nanny in because he was traveling lots and knew that I couldn't do it all and function with these two other tiny, yeah. <laughs> tiny toddlers at the same time. So, you know, that was really kind of him to make sure that I felt supported. We, we don't have any family around us. So it wasn't like I could call on mum and say, can you come and help? Um, she would just come sort of jeopardize things. And I've got so many funny stories to tell about that. Um, so, you know, having support around is, is really important. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was unbelievably not, not shocked because that would be an insult, but I was so impressed with how, as soon as I got like, as soon as I became ill with morning sickness, regardless, whether it was like need to sleep for some days, I was only awake for six hours in the day. Like it was intense stuff. Rob just kind of he just took on this new role and all of a sudden all the things that I was like oh Rob never empties a dishwasher he would all of a sudden everything was done and I would just kind of wander around being like what am I supposed to do but also kind of like thank goodness that he's done it because I don't even know how if I knew how to carry a plate from one end of the kitchen to the other it was just I unbelievably impressed Um, so I think it's just going to come into his own yeah yeah yeah. Get him involved. Get him in, involved right from the beginning. Pump yeah. that baby in the bath with him or get him to do the bath, you know, in the baby bath. Um, yeah. yeah. The earlier, the better. Was Sai, Simon, in the, in the, when you were giving birth? Was he around? Yes. 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 Yeah. yes. Very at much. the head end or the, or the action end? Mainly at the head end. I think he did see a little bit more than he would have liked to after I had gas. I had a really nasty hemorrhage. <laughs> He's, he likened it to gralicking um a deer perfect <laughs> yes wasn't great but he was incredible yeah so supportive and just lovely having him there just th- those big hands to hold yeah. um yeah yeah you wouldn't have got the big hands with your italian with a small nose no i wouldn't have I wouldn't have, and they wouldn't have been half as comforting. <laughs> exactly. How annoying that it worked out. He was really good at running around getting things that I needed, like ice and yeah. old flannels. Yeah. Yeah, he was great. No, very good. I didn't have any more questions. Oh, Marina, it's been so lovely chatting. So lovely. And um, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to hear this one, both to hear what I've said and also to hear the others that you've got on. Thank you. And I will leave, um, I'll leave details below in the show notes. And um, if you want to follow Verena, she is on Instagram at Girl About the Yard and she's done all sorts of amazing things. She's even written a book. So um, I will leave the details to that below for anyone that's horsey and, and would like to have a look. But Verena, it's been so lovely chatting to you today thank you the pleasure is all mine thank you i would be really grateful if you are enjoying my podcast if you would just take a moment to hit the subscribe button it helps other people know that we exist and i would be so grateful of that and leave me a review the more subscribers we have the more episodes i can put on for you so please just take a moment and hit the subscribe button 